This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. The power that sin has in our lives is the very power that you and I give it. How powerful is that sin? Why is it powerful? Because we keep giving into it. We're feeding into it. We're creating a beast. We're creating a monster. And we know we shouldn't be doing it. We know we shouldn't practice sin, live in sin as Christians, but we give into it all the time. And what happens? It gets bigger. And guess what happens? You're going to reap what you sow. Many of our sins have a tendency to snowball if we're not quick to address them in both prayer and repentance before God. What might have seemed like the occasional slip-up can easily become a habitual and destructive sin that we give power to. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches us that as believers in Christ, the only sin that has power over us is the sin we feed. In our study, we learn about the dangers of repeatedly giving in to sin and allowing it to have power over our lives as believers. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 6 for today's edition of Running the Race. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also shall walk in the newness of life. And so just as Jesus died and was buried in the tomb, you and I, when we give our life to the Lord, we died. How do we die? When we were baptized, that time when you were baptized, you died to the old self. Your old self is in that watery grave, you see. That's how come we don't baptize babies. We present babies. Jesus wasn't baptized as a baby. Find any child in the Bible that was baptized. None. That, came, that later came by St. Augustine who adapted that practice through Catholics to the Catholicism. But the reason why we don't baptize babies is because babies are innocent. How can you bury the old life? They've just been born. You see, it's a symbol of burying the old you. You're dying. The old you is dying for the new life. So as Christ was placed in the tomb, we died with Christ. How we do that? I said, Lord, I'm dying with you. And as a symbol of me identifying with your death, Lord, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going into the water. And I'm going to come up new. I'm going to come up new. For if we have been unified together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So just pray that whenever me or Pastor John, anybody actually dunks you in the water in baptism, that you do come up. Okay? Sometimes, depending who you are, we may want to hold you a little longer. Not just kidding. That's why he said, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We have to fulfill scripture, so we're bringing you back up. (laughs) And so we're identifying with Jesus rose from the grave. And and that's the important part of the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What good 
is this man who was born in a manger, this man who has performed miracles, healed people, raised the dead. What good is it? Yeah, he went to the cross. Many people have done that. Yeah, he was put in a tomb. Many, everyone is going into a tomb. But here's what makes a difference. His resurrection. All that would have been useless. That pretty nice little postcard with the baby in the manger would have been useless. The miracles and healing the people, raising people, useless. The cross, many have died across. So what? Many have been in the tomb. But here's what changed it all was his resurrection. That's why it's important when you gave your life to the Lord, you're new again. A new life. This resurrection, this, this new life we have in Christ. So why would we go back to sinning? We're glorying with Christ with this new life we have. And so for a Christian to go back to your old life, just think of it. Let's say, for example, if someone was raised from the grave. Think about it. Remember when Jesus called Lazarus? He said, Lazarus, come forth. It's a good thing it was that not many people. Because if there was many Lazarus, then there would be a lot coming. I said, which Lazarus are you talking about, Jesus? But it was just Lazarus. Come on, can you imagine? Lazarus would say, you know what? Jesus, um, uh, I like to have my grave clothes back on, and can you put me back in? No. It's silly, the thought, that anyone would want to put on their grave clothes, go back in the coffin, and go back in the grave. You know, that's silly. It's, you know, just so think about that as a Christian. When we gave our lives to the Lord, we no longer live in sin. We no longer practice sin. We are safe from that. And so he goes on to say, knowing this, verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been free from sin. I love this. Is done away with. That's it. Done away with. When you gave your life to the Lord, you surrender your life. Is done away with the old life. Done away with once and for all. Once and for all. That we shall no longer live as slaves. We're no longer, we're free from the bondage of sin. You see. When we look at the children of Israel, they were set free from Egypt. 400 years in slavery. 400 years they suffered. 400 years, many of them died. They've been set free. They're on the other side. And guess what? You have a few that said, man, we were better off in Egypt. Really? Were you really better off in Egypt? And it's said that people always want to go back. And he said, for, for, for he who has died has been free from sin. That he is you and I. And I'm sorry for the masculine pronouns, but the he refers to man, female, it doesn't matter. It's all of us. All of us, any of us who have died has been set free from sin. So you were in bondage of sin. You couldn't control sin. You had no help. Why you had no help? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't in you? Because Christ wasn't with you? But now you have Christ with you. You have, you have this new life. The Holy Spirit is in you. And now, now, you're free from sin. You're not in the bondage of sin. It's been done away with. Paul writes to the church in Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. The life that I live now, I live for Christ. I live for Christ. So for he who has died have been set free. So it is not that you are free to sin. That's not what it is. We're not free to sin, but we are free from sin. We're free from sin. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Now we live with him. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, just one time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Christ died one time. That is it. Christ doesn't need to go back to the cross. His crucifixion was a propitiation, meaning that he was a satisfied, crucified, sanctified uh, offering, the Lamb of God before God. He was crucified. He was a satisfying sacrifice to God the Father. And he only needed to die once to complete the work of the cross. You see, in the Old Testament, they had a Every year, or they had to make all these sacrifices over and over again every year. But you see, those sacrifices only cover sin. The sacrifice that came through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was what needed to be one time because it was perfect. It was beyond perfect. It was satisfying. And so I believe that us as believers in Christ, we need to really know and fully understand the death of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that Jesus really died. Now, you may say, well, we know that. But there, sometimes when we are so uh, filled with the world and less of God, less of the word, less of spending time, we're filled with things. Oh, we go back to work tomorrow, normal day, right? Everybody knows, right? Tomorrow, work, right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to spoil Sunday. School. Sorry, kids. I didn't mean to spoil that for you. But sometimes we get so influenced that there's a world that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. There are some that believe Jesus exists, that he was a man, but don't believe that he actually died. And so sometimes that rubs. Either you're going to be a blessing to them or you're going to influence them in the gospel. They're going to influence you in the death of Christ. When you understand that Christ, when he died, it was complete. And identification with Christ and death was complete as well. We died because we died to Christ. That means your death is complete because his death was complete. You died in him. You didn't die on your own. You didn't die for your own cause. You didn't die for your own reason. You died because of Christ. And if you died because of Christ, the death that you died when you gave your life, it is complete. There's nothing else you need to do. But then again, that's where religion comes again, right? And he works. Oh, we got to do more. We got to do more. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Tell us die. I said, it doesn't mean, okay, I died. Okay, now it's your turn. Take it from here, guys. Go, run. No, it was complete on the cross. He died once and for all, one time only. Death no longer has dominion over us. And so we are in Christ, and if we are in Christ, sin death has no dominion over us. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word reckon there is not like, you know, sometimes to watch the Walton. Well, I reckon, you know, it's not a sudden, sudden thing. But the word reckon in the Greek is an accounting term, and it means to, to count on, to count on it or a fact. So, so count on this fact is that you are dead to sin and you're alive in Christ. So reckon, know that fact. You're dead to sin and alive in Christ. So when we go through our daily, when we wake up in the morning, we, we begin with our devotion, we spend time with the Lord, everything is going great, everything is going fine and dandy, and guess what? The enemy doesn't like you, he hates you. He wants to destroy your little happy, happy joy, joy, or you rejoice in the Lord over and again, I say you rejoice. And he's going to tempt you, just like he did with Jesus. He's going to tempt you, but he wants you to sin, just like he did with Jesus. He's going to tempt you because, you know, and he's going to destroy you. But here's what. Here's when you know that you're not a slave to sin. It doesn't have power over you. It doesn't have dominion over you. It doesn't master you. And once we understand that concept, then, okay, and no, it cannot have power. It can't have dominion over me. So here's the sin I'm tempted. Now, Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrew, said that Jesus was tempted in all forms. All forms, think about that for a minute. Yes, even the ones, the, the most disgusting, whatever you thought. Yes, Jesus was tempted in all forms. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. I say, we, 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 don't, we have a great high priest who could sympathize with us because he was tempted in all forms. We know about his temptation during his 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. You know, when he was tempted, what did Jesus do when, he, when Satan tempted him? He used scripture. He used scripture. That's it. When Satan comes and tries to tempt you, use scripture. Whatever your weakness is, whatever you struggle with, bad attitudes, whatever it is, find a scripture that will help you with that. That's the arson. That's, that's the weapons Jesus used. Now, here, understand this. I don't want you to be confused here. When you're tempted, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted because we already know that Jesus was tempted, right? So it's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to fall into temptation. Always understand that. It's a sin to fall into temptation. But here's what happens when we give in to sin. We give it power. Look at verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. The power that sin has in your life, the power that sin has in my life, the power that sin has in our lives is the very power that you and I give it. How powerful is that sin? Why is it powerful? Because we keep giving into it. We're feeding into it. We're creating a beast. We're creating a monster. And we know we shouldn't be doing it. We know we shouldn't practice sin, live in sin as Christians, but we give in to it all the time. And what happens? It gets bigger. And guess what happens? You're going to reap what you sow. Yeah, you have grace. And hopefully, because the monster to get big, you get feeding it, giving it power. But when it does, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. And because God loves those, God chastens those whom he loves. He loves you just like a father would love his child. That he knows when it's wrong, he's going to discipline the child. Sometimes you're going to reap what you sow. Say, oh, God, why me? Why me? Well, you know, I send the Holy Spirit many times to help you with that. You know that I'm here for you. You know scripture. 
but you refuse to willingly give into it and you feed it. So the power that sin has in your life is the power that you give it. The more you feed it, the more you give into it, the more powerful it becomes. Verse 13, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Every part of your body belongs to the Lord. You gave your life to the Lord, every part of your body belongs to the Lord. Your eyes, your nose, your ears, everything. Every part of your body belongs to the Lord. Your physical body, that is. Don't try to spiritualize it. It's your spiritual body. Your body's instruments. Okay? It belongs to the Lord. I say, no, it's my spiritual ears. My spirit. No, your body belongs to the Lord. And so what does that say? You know, Paul talks to the church in Corinth because they have what is called sloppy agape. They use their freedom. They use their liberty in Christ. They could say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But he talks about their, um, uh, their sin. He talks about the sexual sins. And he says, it's worse than the people in the world, he tells them. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, it's worse than people in the world. You know, and we, they use that liberty, and, and there's some people that just don't have no conviction. You need to reevaluate yourself with the Lord because this scripture is against God, it's offense to God. And so we take advantage of that. And even Christians, you know, we, we know we have this liberty in Christ. Sometimes we take that liberty way, way further than we should. Perfect example, uh, you know, the, the issue with church, with alcohol. Oh, is it, can I have a beer? Can I have a wine? So listen, you want to be a sipping saint? That's between you and the Lord. But you know, it's, the Bible doesn't say it's against, it's wrong to drink alcohol. The Bible doesn't say that. But there are many scriptures that talks about being intoxicated, influenced by alcohol. Me as a pastor, I don't do it. I don't do it. There are many reasons. One, I don't need it. I'm okay. I don't need therapy. I'm okay. Second of all, I know if I, there are people that I don't want to use that liberty. I know the people that struggle with alcohol, why am I going to drink and have, have them weak? Why am I going to put that on them? Thirdly, and more importantly, you know, as a pastor and leader, I know that's not going to look good. Hey, I just saw a pastor. Right? Yeah, yeah. I saw him go to the uh, wines and spirit place there. What kind of spirit is he in? It's not the Holy Spirit at this time. And so, so it won't be confusing. You know what? Who cares? Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. What can you get out of it? Now, again, don't feel guilty. That's my conviction. I'm not putting it on anybody because, again, that's between you and the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. So when we look at something like that, sometimes people take that liberty and they take it on and on. They keep on, and they don't care about anybody else to the point where they don't care if they sin. Now they're to the point where now they're getting toxic. Oh, it's okay, you know, I just have a bit too much, but God's grace. And so what happens is everything in our body, we use in our body, instead of being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for example, now it's being filled with another spirit that intoxicate me, that I can't have control, and I'm going to sin. And I'm going to cause a brother who has a weakness in that and stumble. So you see, this is where we need to use wisdom. But let's look about sexual sin, sexual immorality. 
You know, okay, yeah, you know what? The world says, hey, you know, uh, we don't need to be married to have intercourse. Well, you go ahead with what the world says, but the Bible says it's a sin. Oh, but the Lord is not blessing my relationship. Oh, really? Are you guys married? Oh, no. He doesn't bless. He blesses marriages. And so, you know, when you look at things like that, that's what happens. People, it's okay. It's okay because the world says okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were brought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So don't try to spiritualize the body, like I said, because you can say, don't glorify body in your spirit and in your spirit. <laughs> glorify God in your body in, and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. You surrender your life. Use your body to glorify God. To glorify God. Every part of your body belongs to him. Verse 14, we come to close with this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The word dominion in the Greek is kurio, which means to master over you. Don't let sin master over you. And the only way it's going to master over you is what? If you feed into it. You give into it. Again, you fall into it. Temptation is not a sin. Falling into temptation is a sin. Don't feed it. We don't practice sin. We do sin. We don't practice sin. And so we see that the law that God has given us has set as a set of regulations that God gave to uh, the children of Israel, to Moses, that identified uh, sin, but what happened with this law? We have the law. We have these rules and regulations in, in, in the commandments, but it did not help overcome sin. We have these laws. It shows us that we're sinful, right? It shows us. But guess what? Grace, on the other hand, the unmerited favor of God and his powering presence overcomes sin. Grace overcomes it. Sin abounds all the more. And how do we know what sin is? We look at the law, it is sin. We look at the law, it shows that we're sinful, wretched people. But when sin abounds, grace, God's grace abounds all the more. And praise God for his grace. Saints don't take advantage of God's grace. It's not a license for us to sin whenever we want. You're not going to grow that way. You're never going to grow that way. And I always picture that little hamster in that little cage with a with the wheel. Yeah, if you want to say he's working out, that's you. I don't believe that. Not just kidding. But that's how we are in our lives. Same thing over and over again. Why? Because we think we could just use our body, offend God, take advantage of his grace without trying to fight sin and try to improve in our lives and our relationship with the Lord. Let us be grateful for God's grace. Amen. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. Would you like to know more about what that means for you? Please give us a call at 570-296-7367. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you are in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, We'd love to have you come join us here in person at Calvary Chapel of Milford. For service times and more information, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen to more messages from Running the Race, Tracy has more information on how. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for the continuing verse-by-verse study of Romans with Pastor Eddie Pinero right here on Running the Race. 